come from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 29. John chapter 10. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, 
He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard this were, these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus said, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That will come into my message a little bit today too. Turn in our hymn books. Just, we're going to do two courses now, so get ready. We're going to do, I just keep trusting my Lord, 733, and then the Lord has done great things for us, 749. If you've never sung them before, well, it's about time. So you'll get to hear them and learn them for the first time. So... Trust in my love, and I won't 
see you make every song have something to do with your message. So all of them are leading you to my message. The message that we hope God wants us to get this morning. The Lord has done great things for us. this morning or praises. Glad to see Ed here. I'm I'm used to having heart problems, so I know what it's like to go in and uh, just trust the Lord. Oh, he I don't know how many of you know what happened to Ed. So Ed went in because he had AFib. Um, wild AFib, and uh, apparently it 
got cured when he coughed really hard or something happened there. And something like that. And uh, it stopped. I know because that, that can happen because it's happened to me. But it's kind of interesting to go there. And then you think you don't, shouldn't go to cardiologist, which I was just impressed in a public place you probably ought to go. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, but I've been there, so might be worth it. Um, so he has promised his mom she wouldn't have to bury him. So he better go to the cardiologist to make sure he's still here. <laughs> I just, that was more out of fun than anything. It's, um, if, just pray for people. You know people who have been going through things. You know those who struggle physically. Pray for them. Uh, be active in prayer. That's our connection to God and our way of affecting him to do things in our world. So remember, he loves you. He loves to have you show up on his doorstep and have a discussion with him. So do it many times. Let's go to prayer. Gracious Father, we're grateful for your love, grateful for the way that you care for us, grateful that you brought us into a relationship with us where we have free access to you, where we can talk to you, where we don't have to worry about the reaction, where we know that we're going to someone who loves us and understands us because you know all about us. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing us into that relationship. Help us, Lord, to be actively involved in talking to you about our life, about other people's, that we might be able to lift them up to you. So we think of Ed and what he's been through in the last week, and we just pray that you'll care for him and Help them to make good decisions, and uh, Lord, keep them healthy. Uh, we know you're capable of that. We, we know how you work in mysterious ways, and we just pray that you'll help Ed through this. And, uh, and we have others in the church. Uh, John and a lot of us older guys have problems, and we need prayer, and we struggle sometimes with what's going on in our lives and uh, even feel like, Sometimes our emotions are out of control and we need help there. And Lord, we just are grateful that you are there and present and accounted for. Doesn't always mean, Lord, that you take things away, but it means that you're actively involved in our life and you love us. So help us to be aware of that. Help us to pray for one another. Help us, Lord, to, to keep thinking about one another and bringing those things up to be in your word that we might know you more completely. <laughs> Help us to experience the joy of living close to you. We thank you for this time to worship. We pray you'll help us to lift up our hearts to you in song and, and to give our hearts to you that you might work through your word. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we can stand for singing. You have three songs today that we haven't been singing, so... First one, go light your world. <clears throat> there is a candle in every <laughs> I'm, I'm the, I started in the chorus, my fault. Okay. <laughs> candle in every soul. Sun brightly turning 
from dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes them whole. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the Sometimes even when we're singing them, it's a work in progress. So bear with us sometimes. I of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from 
Between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. And when I'm feeling like I've been let down by my friends and my family, I can hear the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm. You remain in control. Oh, 
save me and walk with him for all eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to after saying that as many Sundays as I do I'd get it right every time and I still can't remember what ages go back there 
We're going to end the book of 1 Peter today. So we'll be rushing through a few verses, hopefully not too fast. We're starting in verse chapter 8 of 1 Peter 5. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 8. We're going to do 8 to the end of the chapter. First, I'm going to read through it, and then we'll attack it. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Resist, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now last week we got through being humble in the sight of God, uh, letting Him lift you up, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. And now He turns to some things to remind you of, to, to give you ideas on how to handle it. And he starts with a strong command. Be alert and of a sober mind. Now, sometimes we use words that we don't use as often, so alert's an easy one. It's a vigilance. It's a paying attention, watching out for things. If you're driving down the road around here at dusk, what are you watching out for? Yeah, you're supposed to be alert. So you see them. You know, if you don't stay alert, then what happens? Usually they hit you or you hit them. Either way, it's not easy on the car. So alert's easy for us, but sober-minded's a little different. And the basic idea here is self-control. Be serious enough about life that you have self-control but keep in mind, that self-control can't come simply because we can do it. Now, I had a grandfather who was pretty self-controlled. And uh, we went down, he smoked, smoked from the time he was like 12 years old. And uh, he was 72 years old. Oh, I'm not on again. Sorry about that. Now I'm on. Okay, there we go. He was 72 years old. He'd been smoking for 60 years. We went down to visit. He quit smoking. He wasn't smoking. And my dad said, Dad, when did you quit smoking? And he said, well, haven't you seen all the things on TV about smoking? Smoking can give you cancer. It can be hazardous to your health. And he'd been smoking for 60 years. But self-control my granddad 
had a German background, and he was very disciplined. And when he decided to quit, that was it. He didn't smoke. And he was done. Now, you know, we, most of us can't do that. You understand that, right? You have a, it'd be like me saying to some of you, okay, quit eating ice cream. You know, so for uh, how long would you be able to keep that up? I'd last maybe, I might make it a week if I don't have any ice cream in the house. But if it's in the house, I probably won't make it a week. And after a week, I'll probably go get it. Self-discipline doesn't always work if it's just us. Here, it's implied that the Spirit's involved in this. And there's, we're more Spirit-controlled, and it's helping us to be controlled about our life. So we're not out of, we're not going crazy. Not doing crazy things anymore. At some point, now that doesn't mean we don't do fun things. We don't challenge ourselves from time to time. It's that we don't do things that uh, make no sense to do and would be contrary to the laws of God, to the Word of God. Um, it's easy, for instance, to end up drinking alcohol and get to the point where you're an alcoholic. And if you do, how do you stop? Most of the time, if God isn't involved, you don't. You try, you work at it. As long as you've got a good crowd of people around you, you may succeed for a while. But oftentimes, they get away from that a little bit and suddenly they're back at it again. They get away from that crowd and they lose control. But if God's in it, many of them have great success. And it's that way about every part of our life. If we want to live for the Lord and be focused, there are things that probably need to change in our life. But we have to determine through the Spirit that we're willing to do that and that He could do that with us. Now, it's not something we do alone. We do it with the Spirit. Why does He command us to do that? And He goes right into the next phase. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I always like to think of it realistically. Any of us go on a safari and we're out in the middle of a field where there's a lion, how comfortable are you going to feel? Oh, better yet, we'll just take you to the zoo down here and we'll let them put you in there. Well, we're not very comfortable because what do we expect the lion to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're expecting him to devour us. So here he's really using that example to give us an idea of what Satan's after. He does not want you to have any success as a believer and to be comfortable there. He wants you to be uncomfortable. So he's going to use everything around you to make you be distracted from the life you should live for the Lord. To cause you to move towards things that the world would want you to think were okay. But really, from God's word, you would know better. And Satan actively works on us like that. So here he's saying, pay attention because this is what's happening. Satan's at work. He wants to trip you up. He has a few other helpers, you know, the rest of the cronies out there with him. All those fallen angels, they want to trip you up too. And so that's the job, is to find a way, find a crack in the lining, find a way to get you to turn away from God and become a zero in a sense.
to not do anything, to have no value in the work of God. And at that point, he has you right where he wants you. He doesn't have to do anything else. He can run off and work on somebody else. So he's saying, be alert and sober-minded, be self-controlled, because this is what will happen if you don't. He is looking for food to devour you. He wants to render you useless. Now, in uh, Ephesians 6, we have some of that again. Uh, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the stark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And I'll just stop there. I could read more of it, but yeah, I'll not get through this message if I keep reading a lot of other stuff. So the bottom line, though, is he's, he's trying to change your life and not allow you to live for the Lord. He's trying to destroy it, to give, render you useless as far as God's concerned. So, if we continue on, he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, I'll comment more on same kind of sufferings in a minute, but he starts out with resist him. How do you resist him? How can you resist Satan? He's extremely powerful. How do you do that? He says, stand firm in the faith. Your life is secure and sure in Christ. You are in a secure position. So even if you mess up, you don't lose your relationship with the Lord. You're still secure in a relationship where the Lord loves you and is seeking to do work in you. And you're secure there. You can stand in his presence and know that everything is okay. He is a certainty for you. It is for sure that he is for you. Your great God has given you salvation. And it is a relationship you can depend on. He will care for you. And he will be the one you can stand firm on. You're standing firm not because you're tough. I played basketball through a, a tech school that I went to. And we had one guy on the squad who was Indian. And his name was... Um, the Rock, but it was more than that. It was, but anyway, the idea behind him was he was grounded like the roots of a tree. That rock could not be moved. And he believed that if he just stood his ground, nobody could move him. Well, in basketball, it's kind of funny because they got pretty rough in, this, in these games, at the wide tech games that these different schools played. And sometimes you'd be running down the court and You'd be going for a layup and some guy would run you right over and knock into a wall. Well, he'd see that happen a few times and pretty soon he'd step out and be the wall. And he would just step out and stand like this. And that guy would run into him. He'd run into him so hard he fell off. 
It worked for him. He was solid, standing firm. We can stand firm not because we're powerful, but because our God is. We can be sure that if we stand where God wants us to stand, He will give us the strength to keep it up. Even if we're suffering, which that's going to come up as we read this verse. So he goes on and says, uh, I lost my place. Just wait a second, I'll find it again. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know, and this is it, we're not the only ones who will be suffering. It doesn't take long. You look at missionary letters and, and things going on in the world, and there are a lot of people suffering. And there are a lot of Christians suffering under regimes that are killing them off, putting them in prison. And you and I don't go through that, so you start to say, well, we don't really suffer. But we do suffer. We just don't pay attention to why. We suffer because we don't see Satan's attacks on us. Because they're the mild kind that come at us in things that we like. And he'll just stretch us a little further. So we do something we do. You know, we talked a little bit this morning about giving and uh, in Sunday school. And the one thing that came up was, what would happen if you suddenly came into a lot of money? Well, you know, money can change people. So you have a lot of money. So you give your 10 or 20% to the, to the Lord at church. But then you don't show up for the next two years because you're out doing things because you have the money. Is that where God wants you to be? Is that what he wants you doing? And you know that he wants you to be part of a church family. So running off and not being here doesn't make sense. But money changes people, and Satan can use it to take us away from them. No problem with money, by the way. Money is not the problem. It's us getting the right perspective. And that's what he's doing here. That's why he says, stand firm in the Lord, because you're standing on what you know to be true. From the scriptures, how I should live, what I should be like, how I should be affected by my brothers and sisters. In here, I said, pray for your brothers and sisters. It would be interesting if I started asking people who you could pray for and why. And see how many of you know all the different things going on in the church or have prayed, even looked at your prayer list and prayed. How much of it do you know and how much you're praying for? These are your brothers and sisters. How many are praying for them? How many are part of their life? Even just in prayer, sometimes a card, phone call, text. We're suffering. We need encouragement from each other. We're not alone. We're in a huge family. Many are suffering. So, being called into God's family gives us many exciting things. We have a God that we can talk to anytime. We know we have an eternity to look forward to. You'll never lose that. 
But when we're in suffering, how do we respond? And what are we doing? If Satan's attacking and we start suffering, why are we suffering? What are we looking at? He wants to render you useless. So he reminds us that we are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Part of that's a reminder that we're not alone. So you aren't alone. And in the U.S., we suffer for different reasons. Maybe someday we'll suffer like others do, being attacked because we're Christians. Right now, that doesn't happen too often. Happens, but not too often compared to other countries. So he says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will make, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. So you will be restored. It's part of his message. And he will make you strong, steadfast and Firm in your stand. So, other words we use uh, firm, solid, sure. We have a relationship that's solid and sure. Part of the reason I read John 10 was those verses at the end where he reminds us of our relationship with him and how sh sure it is. So in John 10, yeah, I'm on the right page, okay. He says, I, after he tells them, I did tell you I'm the Messiah, he says, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. But if you are a sheep, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So he says, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep hear my voice and listen to me implies that you're paying attention to his words. Part of being close to God requires time in his words, so you know who he is. So you grow closer to him. If I was away on a trip for six months and my wife didn't see me, how would we keep in touch? Well, today I could use my cell phone, I guess. But maybe I'd be in a place my cell phone didn't work. Then how do I keep in touch? Well, I start writing letters. And she writes stuff back to me, I hope. And we have communication going and we do it so we can stay in touch and know what's going on in each other's lives. It's kind of like how we know about the missionaries. We read their letters. We hear what's going on. And we want to know, so we check their letters out. Well, God sent you a letter. So sometimes a little long. But it's a letter. And that's how you get to know him. Is spending time in his word. And spending time walking with him. And uh, living for him. And talking to him. That's part of it. But the nice part of all that is it's a forever relationship. You, once you're in it, you can't get out. You're his child. 
Once you're his child, you're his child. And it doesn't matter whether we get off the path or not. You're his child. And he'll work to get you back. So that's part of that statement. Satan can trip us up, but you will be restored. And when he does restore you, he'll make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You won't waver as easily anymore. And you'll have strength to stand because you'll be aware. How do you stand strong? You stay close to him because he's the source of all your power. He's the source of your ability to live. You have to stay close to him, otherwise everything will knock you off your feet. And we go through things that can knock us off our feet. When we lose someone we love suddenly, that can knock us off our feet. That's not easy to deal with. Suddenly all your money disappears. That'll knock you off your feet because you felt a little secure because of it. You know, I'm retired now and things are set up pretty good and, and we're grateful to how the Lord has blessed us. But if something happened to the market and I lost what I get out of the market, it would change my income. That could knock me off my feet. Or maybe all the things I've been through in life would make me realize I'm secure in the Lord even when I don't have everything I thought I needed. God's still taking care of me. I'm secure no matter what happens. If I get a cancer that they can't take care of, I'm secure because of who I know and who loves me. I'm secure because of Jesus Christ. So that's what he's talking about in this restoration, and he'll bring it back to the place where you'll recognize your security in him. And as Paul says, your present suffering will not be worthy to the glory which is to come. You can't compare the two. The glory that's to come is going to overwhelm anything you've ever been through. So he ends that part of the letter with this statement. Tim, be the power forever and ever. Amen. Um, in the King James it says the glory and dominion. To him be glory and dominion. And, and that idea of power brings both of those out. His glory, bright, blinding, glorious light. I had a professor that every time he said glory, he didn't say just glory. He said glory. Glory. He always wanted to get the idea that it was bright and glorious. Overwhelmingly so. And he always said it like that. God's glory. I had more fun with him as a professor because I think I learned more about God from him than anybody I ever met. Because he took theology and made it realistic. He made me realize what it was. God, I didn't understand God. He helped me understand. And his dominion, power to rule, the strength to rule. God has it in spades. He is the one. He's in control of everything, even the things you're going through. We don't understand God. If any of you really understand God, I'd like to have a class with you. So I can learn. The bottom line is, 
God's so far beyond us, we don't understand. Why do we go through some of the things we go through? I can't even answer that. All I can do is say, God has a purpose. Because God's in control of everything in your life. He's able to use all things to his glory. And to use things to work in your life. So that you grow with him. And so that you realize your security. And you never lose that sense of being secure. And so he says that. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The word amen. So be it. So it is. That's the bottom line. This is true. You can bet your life on it. So we get through that and he's humbled us and he's given us some tools and reminds us that we're in a battle even where we don't think we are. We're still in a battle. He says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, how would you like that coming from Peter or Paul? You know, we look at Peter and Paul and think of them as, because they were apostles, they're a little higher than we were. They're spiritually, they're in a better place. You know, bigger, more alive. And here he's, he's saying, I, I, with the help of Silas, I thought of him as somebody that was a faithful brother. We have a lot of different brethren in here, and, and I wanted to say sister, but that doesn't sound quite right. But we have brothers and sisters in here. And the bottom line is that we have a lot of faithful brothers and sisters. If I wrote a letter and you helped me write it, I could end my letter like Peter did. And what he was doing was saying, I've written to you with the help of Silas. They often had somebody who would write the letter out for them and then they'd finish it off right at the end, like this little statement at the end. This is Peter's writing, probably the rest of it. He scribed, the other one scribed. Peter told him what to write. But Silas scribed it. And I like the fact he says, this is a man who is faithful in doing this for me. And then he says, I have written to you briefly. Now, how many weeks have we been in 1 Peter? Anybody want to guess? I started 1 Peter. That was four weeks. Who took over? Josh? Four more weeks. That's eight weeks. And then Greg took over. It was yours a five or four week? Okay. So four more weeks. That's 12. And now I have three more weeks. That's 15 weeks on a brief letter. That's, pretty, that's a pretty long brief letter. And you think about all that's involved in this letter, and if you really study it, it takes time to understand and grasp hold of these things. But he says, with his help, I wrote to you briefly, what was the purpose? First, to encourage you. It's a word that in Hebrews is, is uh, translated excite you. It says excite you to love and good works. Here he's encouraging you. 
trying to get you excited to live for the Lord. Even when you're pressed in persecution, even when you're suffering, it's trying to get you excited. You know, when we preach up here, I'd like to get you excited. Sometimes I look back, uh, you're not sure what people are thinking. And that's all right, because I don't know what you're thinking, and maybe that's a good thing. But the bottom line is, I hope that God's exciting you to work for him, to live for him. And that's what Peter wrote for. Excite you, encourage you to live, even in the hardest times, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved you and bought your salvation. He says also, to testify that this is the true grace of God. Peter always likes to emphasize what Christ did. In, um, was that? I think it's in 2 Peter where he makes the comment, which we may go to 2 Peter, so you'll get a view ahead. But he makes a comment in 2 Peter that he wants you to make your salvation sure. He wants to remind you of your salvation so it's secure, so you have it locked in and won't forget. It's kind of like my wife when I go to the store. She reminds me of the things I'm supposed to get. Why is she doing that? All of you know the answer to that one. What's that? <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking of. But yeah, that, that's probably true. But she wants me to bring it back with me. She wants me to... Thanks, Ed. She wants, she wants me to secure those things and bring them back with me. Well, here, he wants you to recognize that his witness of Jesus Christ, this is the true God. The true Christ, the true grace of God. This is it. You have it. It's secure. So he not only wants to encourage you, but he wants to be a witness of the secureness of your salvation. And he reminds you here, that's, that's why I did this. So that you would know of my witness that this is the true grace of God. That he's given you favor beyond what you could ever imagine. You are highly favored in God's family. How do you like that one? A lot of us don't want to grasp that, but we are. He tells us that in other places. We're highly favored. So stand fast in it. I like that. He does that several places. He says, having done all, what? Stand. Worked with horses quite a bit in my life. The one thing I learned about horses is when they're running around, having done everything you can to slow them down, the best thing you can do is stay in one place and just stand. Because if you try to move, you're probably going to run out in front of them. But if you just stand there, they'll go around you. I very seldom have ever been run into 
by a horse when I was standing fast where I was because they don't want to run into anything that's standing fast. They think it's solid. They have no idea they could just bounce me right out of the fence. But so they go around it. And here he's using that kind of term. So knowing all these things, then stand. If you can't, if you've done everything you can do, stand fast on your faith. It is dependable. Your relationship with God is secure and sure. So stand fast. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. Now I'm going to stop right there. Who do you think she is? All the commentaries I wrote, the bottom line was that this was probably the church. The church, not in Babylon, but the church that was like Babylon at that time would have been where? Rome. So this is a church in Rome where this, this church is chosen together with him. Since she who is in Babylon, the church that's in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Now, this isn't technically his real son, but it is a spiritual son. And you know about this Mark. This is John Mark. Most likely John Mark who back in chapter 12, Peter was, was working with Peter. Who did he eventually go out to work with? John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas. And then they came back and what happened? They were sent out again by the church and Paul didn't want to take John Mark because he left them in Pamphylius. But Barnabas wanted him. And here Peter comes back and talks about him again. My son, my spiritual son, Mark, they greet you. So the church and Mark greet you. Be like me sending a letter and somebody reading it to you from up here. I send my greetings to you. Goes on, greet one another then. How? With a kiss of love. What in the world does that mean? Well, I'm not going to make you all practice a kiss of love, okay? What I'm going to say is, it isn't the way we think about it, and he's really not telling us we need to do that exactly. But he is telling us we need to greet one another in a loving way. And that may require more than I think of at first. I'm a hugger. Everybody here knows that. Some of you, as I approach, what do you do? If I approach too, too far, you start backing up. Because you know I'm a hugger and you're in danger. <laughs> you're really not in danger. I'm trying to show my love to you. But I try to be aware of that. If I see you starting to back up, I usually stop. 
and don't try to approach you like that anymore. I found other ways. You know, there are a lot of other ways you can hug somebody. You can give them a handshake with your hand on their elbow. That's, that's what the English do. If they like you better than somebody else, they grab a hold of your elbow too. Not just a hand, but an elbow. Or you can put your hand on their shoulder when you talk to them. Or maybe you can give them an A-frame hug. You know, it's really not a whole hug. You just stand next to each other with an arm over their shoulder. Or maybe some people love the whole thing and they like the hug. I had a friend who used to come to me and when he, we met, we hadn't seen each other in a while, he'd come up and he'd kiss me on the lips. Now, just to let you know, my dad kissed me on the lips, so it wasn't a big surprise. And it didn't bother me. Other people seeing it would say to you, how can you stand that? Stand what? That seemed okay to me. Now keep in mind, he didn't give me a lip lock. <laughs> it's just a short kiss. But he was telling me he loved me. And that was okay. Now I'm not asking you all to do that. In Peru, I've always appreciated when you'd go up to a woman, the woman would lean in towards you and if you leaned in, she'd put her cheek against you and make the noise. I always thought that was so cool. It was very loving, but it didn't threaten you. But you didn't have to do it. If you didn't lean in, they didn't do it. They didn't pursue it any further. They didn't chase you down, anything like that. But here he's telling you, most of all, to greet one another and show your love to each other. There are a lot of ways to show love. Some will bake goods and give them out. Some will come over and help out. Some, you know, you can list things that people will do to show their love to you. We all have a different way. But show it to each other. Let each other know. You're a family. And that's part of what he wants you to do, is be that family. So he ends the message with this. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Forgot my book. I found this reading in this book on peace. It says this. God's peace is for all who are in Christ, for all believers. It is their divinely bestowed privilege as members of God's family. The Father will see to it by his concern, his governing, and his power that whatever testings of faith come to his children, they will ultimately share in the complete triumph of their risen and glorified Lord. On that, their hearts can utterly rely in peace. I thought that was an amazing statement. He's reminding you that our real peace comes from our relationship with God and that ultimately God's going to make sure that you recognize the peace you have simply because you are in a relationship with a God who loves you. It is guaranteed he is involved in your life. He's not absent and unaccounted for. Then he ends with that statement again, amen, at least in the King James. Now in the NIV, it's not there. 
But it basically still the same thing. So it is. So be it. You've read the letter. You know the things I've taught you on God. They are true. Stake your life on it. Stand secure. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us, you gave us opportunity to know you. To know the one true God, because you didn't just die. You shed your blood, you went to the tomb, and then you rose again to give us life. And to give us life forever. Help us to recognize the secureness of that. That no matter what we're going through, we know you. And we are secure that we will always be part of your family. Some might not know you as part of their family. We just pray that you would open their understanding to see a God who loves them. One who is willing to pay the price and die for them. Shed his blood to cleanse them and rise again to give them the same life. To be joint heirs with Christ. Lord, help them to understand the truth of the gospel and desire to have the peace and joy that comes with that. Help us to live with that joy and peace, to pass it on to each other, to encourage one another, to show each other love in our actions, even our greetings. Help us, Lord, to grow to know you better and to let that be reflected in our lives and we'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. You can turn to your hymn books to 584. Hymn number 584. Anywhere with Jesus. We're going to sing the first, third, and fifth verse. First, third, and fifth. Jesus I can safely go anywhere he leads me in this world below anywhere without him dearest treasured fade anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid anywhere anywhere fear I cannot know anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone Other friends may fail me, he is still my own Though his hand may lead me over dreary ways Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise Anywhere, anywhere fear Jesus I can safely go anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep when the darkening shadows round about me creep knowing I shall wake and never more to roam anywhere with Jesus will be home sweet home anywhere anywhere 
fear I cannot know anywhere with Jesus can safely go thank you father thank you for your word I pray that you'll work in our lives that we might be more secure with you that having gone through this book that you wrote to us would cause us to be more aware of who you are more appreciative of your sovereignty of your strength and power of your love for us help us to grow to love you more and to love each other we'll praise you in Christ's name amen you're dismissed that song's hard no you did fine I'm not complaining about you I, that song's hard it's hard to sing. But it's just like, because it's the